everyone. Welcome to a new episode of Carolyn Talks, the YouTube channel slash podcast where I, your host, Carolyn Hines, speak to my guests about their films, the film industry, and what got them into filmmaking. And today I am joined by Marianne Farley to talk about her new short film, Free Mass. I think I said that right. I know it's a French word, so I think it's <laughs> better. <laughs> yeah, no, actually it's Frima. We don't, we don't pronounce the S in French, so it's Frima. But everyone says Frima, so don't worry about it. <laughs> no French not, was not my favorite subject. French is no. <laughs> so as a Frima. So before we get into the film, I ask Marianne just to say a bit about herself and give a brief introduction to Frima and then we'll get into the discussion. So Marianne? Yes, well, um I am an actress, director, producer from Montreal, Canada. I I, you know, I got into acting about 20 years ago and then became a producer and directing has been my I, I would say it's it's what I've been doing for the past five years full time, uh, pretty much. Um, I also produce some of my stuff. So uh, I, yeah, so I produce as well. Um, and, um, and yeah, that's <laughs> what else should I say about myself? <laughs> okay. um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I so Freema, Freema is a film I wrote a couple years ago, I would say in 2018 or 2019. It's a film that talks about abortion rights, which is a, a subject that is really important to me with, and with everything that's going on in the United States um, right now when it comes to Roe v. Wade and, and how Roe v. Wade is threatened, uh, literally. Um, the timing of the film coming out right now is, is, just, is just crazy. So uh, Freema is the story of a woman, Kara, who, um, who lives in a society where abortion has been recriminalized. And so she is forced to find an illegal, you know, clinic to um, put an end to her, to her uh, pregnancy. And let's just say that things don't turn out quite the way she, she would have hoped. So, um, so yeah, basically that's the gist of it. So you said something interesting and you, and I was going to ask you about it actually. So this film, as we said, like the, the, you said it, abortion has been recriminalized, which I thought was yeah. interesting because the film is set in Montreal in Canada and abortion is legal in Canada. And it's actually, uh, you can actually get it um, funded by through um, government healthcare, though in some mm -hmm. instances, go to private clinic you would have to pay for some services and I know there's like one there's a medical abortion related medication where you have to pay for the yeah. medicine for it for like basically a chemical abortion yeah. but abortion was illegal in Canada up until 1988 so it's interesting that you kind of took it back to where it becomes um, recriminalized again in Canada so can you just talk about that decision to, to have that be a focal point of the film well, exactly. As you said, you know, when I realized, you know, in my mind, abortion has always been legal in Canada, you know, I mean, for, for my whole life. But when I did some research on it, I realized that, you know, it was permitted for certain cases before 1988, but it actually became, they actually decriminalized it completely in 1988, which is, you know, not even 35 years ago. So that's, you know, that's, that's not too long ago we my feeling is that we're living in a society that that's more and more polarized we're bringing these things back on the table we're you know it, it's it's really insane to me that you know somehow um we're you know we're questioning the legitimacy of these laws that protect um women's rights basically so 
so I, you know, I thought about doing a film that was set in the 1960s or the 1970s, but the bottom line for me is these things happened and they could happen again, which was really the focal point of my film and, and the message I wanted to get across is we're not, we're not safe. You know, these, these laws are still threatened today in North America. Right now in Canada, we are safe. So um, from going back to the middle ages, as I would say, but, um, but who knows, who knows down the line? Mm. No, I agree because actually it's, it's almost as if the more our world is progressing and the more we, and the further we go into the future, some things are like we're regressing in some ways. And a lot of yeah. that has to do with the bodily autonomy of women, like conservative, um, I think it's like North American particularly is becoming extremely more conservative more than I think a lot of people mm -hmm. realize. And especially when it comes to things like racism, immigration, yeah. and that we were talking about abortion rights, and they'd be like, oh, but like, we're such a progressive country. I'm like, but are you though? Really? <laughs> because like, if you look at how um, like First Nations people are treated, like they're still they're still yeah. struggling for equality on their own land. And like yeah. in 2021, and they're still fighting for land rights. And in Canada, like women are still when you go to work, like you're still kind of, you still face discrimination in the workplace. Mm -hmm. Immigrants are still discriminated against in Canada. Like you still have people like you have people running conservative political platforms against immigration where they're basically stigmatizing immigrants. So it's like Canada's progressive, but not as much as a lot of people like to think. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in the United States, it's the same, you know, there's be part of the population is progressive. And, and, you know, and that's why that's what I mean, when I say it's more and more polarized is the left is going further left and the right is going further right. And, you know, we have to find some kind of middle ground. Mm -hmm. And we have to protect um, human rights. And for me, you know, abortion rights is human rights. That's that that's just the bottom line. Like we can't go back to a time where women can't make decisions for themselves. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that opens the door to something really uh, scary and um, it's ludicrous and dangerous for women. Oh, it is because it, like, if, like there's a saying, you take an inch, you give someone an inch and they'll take a mile. Cause like yeah. something like yeah. right there, that's the, that's like kind of like the starting point. And once they go there, there is nothing to stop them from taking, from taking away other things like forced sterilization, you know, and then forcing women to stay home yeah, again, yeah. you know, making women work at home rather than letting them work in, um, you know, their own jobs and doing their own things. So like, it's like progressive while it's still regressive at the same way. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so like with the film, which is, I think is very interesting. The film is very localized in the fact it takes place in just like three small locations. One is on the street where our main character who is not named, which I think is interesting because it kind of, to me, I read it as like, she could represent any woman. Like she doesn't yeah. have to have any because like, she could represent millions of women in the same situation. And it takes place on the street where she's picked up. And what, the first question I want to ask you, um, so is it the, the mural where she's standing in front of while she's waiting yeah. for this truck to come and pick her up was very interesting to me. And I wanted to ask you about that because I'm like, maybe I'm like, because this is something I'll say, but like, I mean, when I'm, if I'm thinking too much, but like the mural is this gigantic colorful mural of a man with his hand and the where, where you place her exactly, it looks like he's picking her up. And then the truck drives and picks her up. So I wanted to ask you yeah. about that because to me, that kind of symbolized a lot of things with how men are kind of like picking at women, like politically and like, you know, sexually and that kind of stuff. Yeah, well, it's very interesting that you point that out because I, you know, we were looking for different locations to film in and that I just, we didn't, you know, we didn't get that painted, but it was actually there. And um, I was trying to find a location that would make sense where it would be like a pickup location for, you know, women who, um, who, who, who want to get abortions. Um, and 
it just and that and that shot where you see her and he's pointing at her just you know it just it came to me when we were shooting i was like this is this is just too perfect and yes it does you know it does symbolize um men's control i mean you know when i say men i don't mean all men i mean the society that's very you know uh paternalistic towards women um and also you know this is where you're supposed to stand if you want us to help you so there was something you know it was like it was like a lot of messages in that just that one mural which was which is and it's still there it's such a beautiful beautiful um yeah painting from a local artist no it's beautiful and it's it's interesting that it's also the most colorful aspect of the film because the yeah. set coloring for the film is kind of like drab and because it takes mm. Instead of Montreal winter, which I know personally is literally cold. So it's kind of interesting. You just have that one bright yeah. um, point in the film because like, once she gets into the truck, it's all very tense and scary because she's in a meat truck. And this is a, basically a truck. It's a truck where it's on the road and the, yeah. and the procedure is being done as the truck is moving. Like they can't stay in one location because it's dangerous. Yeah. And um, so for so because you because it's in a truck it kind of like takes you back to the time where i can't even say it takes you back because abortion is still illegal in many countries around the world and yeah. women are still and even in countries where it's legal it's only under certain restrictions where it's like for the health of the mother <laughs> the fetus is in danger and you know or if it's like in rape or incest or you know like those kind of situations and that doesn't apply to every country because each country has their own stipulations for abortions yeah and so like i know a lot of like for in, especially in north america women will say oh this is this will kind of remind you back when women were forced to have abortions in very dangerous situations like probably at the back of someone's house mm -hmm. a woman or a nurse or a doctor would perform an illegal abortion and then it was like, no, this is still very much real happening all around the world. Yeah. And like even for um like for instance, South Korea only decriminalized abortions in December. Yeah. But they haven't they haven't started, I don't think they've started working on doing social assistance to help women financially and you mm -hmm. know and emotionally throughout the process of getting an abortion. But the point is it's decriminalized, but there's still so much steps that come after that. So you have countries like in Russia, like I think Russia is is, is legal in, in Russia, which I think is one of the few countries apart from North America where there aren't any stipulations for yeah. abortion. In other countries like um in South America and the Middle East and other parts of Asia, like there's there's like all of these things that women have to go through. So can you just talk about like setting it in a truck whereas why why you picked a truck and not necessarily like you would say like a a, a clinic or uh um like a house where like it's one place where mm -hmm. it would be easier for you to film for one like filming in the back of a truck cannot be easy so i want to ask you about that decision well you know for me it was like as i said in the 1960s and the 1970s and probably 1950s um the reality is women are going to get abortions and this is what people don't don't understand is they're either going to die from it or they're going to have safe abortions, but women are going to get abortions. There's no way of stopping them, you know, because sometimes it's your livelihood that's at stake. Sometimes, sometimes it's your life. It's just, you know, it's, we can't be forced to carry out pregnancies um, that, that we, <laughs> that are just not meant, you know, was like, you know that, that, that we don't want to carry out basically um, for whatever reason, you know, mm -hmm. Um, so, so doing it in a truck was the idea of doing it in, in a truck was that because technology has evolved so much since the 1960s and 70s, where it was illegal, um, the idea was it's, it's, 
way too easy to find people now. You know, it's way too, it's, it would have been too easy for um, the authorities to find these places where they carry out abortions, right? So I just tried to think about how, how you could, you know, come up with an abortion clinic, but an abortion clinic that would be mobile, mobile, you know, that would be able to move around. So I guess, I don't know how it came about, the, the, the meat truck, I guess the metaphor, you know, of women and just women being associated with being a piece of meat, you know, being treated th that way um, was also kind of, um, it was a nice metaphor. Well, maybe nice is not the right word, but it was, it was a poignant metaphor, I should say. Yeah, because uh, when I saw the meat truck, I'm like, okay, it was a truck, makes sense. And I was expecting it to look like a, yeah. a small little medical clinic and said, you know, I have like medical instruments, lighting, a mm -hmm. nice like, uh, medical table. <laughs> no, like it had like, you know, the, the, the slaughtered pigs um, hung up and then she's just taking, she's, the procedure takes place in a small little space in the back mm -hmm. of the truck. And yeah. there's this, and like the imagery you choose is very interesting because like you have these um, carcasses and they're just hanging from the, the roof of the truck. And then as um as she's lying on the table, like there's images of like the hook, which I the first thing I came to my mind is like I know um like back in the, like back years ago, I I wouldn't even say years ago, like like there are women like the way how they used to do abortions, especially mm -hmm. at home, they would take a hanger. Yeah. And, and turn it into a hook and try to abort the pregnancies themselves that way. So that was the first thing that came to my, that my mind. And yeah, then there's yeah. like the blood and then there's like clumps of meat and like any woman <laughs> who has had a period, any person who's had a period knows what those images look like. So I wanted to yeah, ask you about yeah, that because yeah. like they could be very jarring for some people. And I would think, especially for men, because for women, we'd be like, I know what that clump of uh, flesh looks like. I know what yeah. that clump of blood looks like. But I can imagine yeah. there be some people like, this is too much i we actually i have to say and and you know when you start when you when you write something and you you know you bring it to life you bring it to the screen you sort of i i think i at one point i i stopped realizing how difficult this film was because i was so into it but you know going to different festivals and and watching it with people i have to say that it happens pretty often that somebody um I wouldn't say faint, but actually I've had one person faint, which, what? yeah, but, 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 and mainly it's women, mainly it's women who, you know, have to leave because they feel uncomfortable for whatever reason, maybe they've had an abortion recently and it's just like still, um, a very sensitive subject. Um, but I know it's, it's a difficult, it's a difficult film. And at the same time that, that was the purpose was to say, you know, abortion isn't glamorous nobody no woman gets gets an abortion because she doesn't want to use birth control that's like that's something i've heard and i i don't i don't believe it i've never met a woman who used abortions as a as, as a means of birth control so um you know it's difficult and if you take those rights away from women then you're putting them in physical danger literally so when you talk about the hanger that's exactly that's exactly what it means you know the just women are, and, and women are still doing that in certain countries, using hangers and 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 doing it on their own, which is really really sad and and terrifying for 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 them and for society at large for for women definitely. Right, because the thing is with films like this, like my my friend Kate who was supposed to join us, but she couldn't because yeah. of 
she like one of the questions she was she wanted me to ask was um she was saying someone watching me see the choice to lie about how far along you are as as a danger that shouldn't be incurred um and she wanted to know what was important about including this risk because there's a scene where our lead character she lies about the pregnancy about how far along she's mm. in a pregnancy and to me i saw that's just that was just how desperate she was she because was. it was dang it's dangerous like any woman who has First thing first, even if you've never been pregnant, just if you've had like um, a medical examination, any person who's had like some kind of like gynecological exam <laughs> knows they are not pleasant. And no one for whoever is watching this thinks that a woman would ever get an abortion as a means of birth control. You have no idea what you're talking about because no woman yeah. would subject themselves to something that is so personally and physically invasive as a gynecological exam and as an abortion, as yeah. a of birth control. It is not happening. That's a myth. Please stop believing that. So yeah. I want yeah. I just wanted to say that because like it's, it's not real. Like no, no person would ever subject themselves to that kind of exam yeah. for, for kicks. It's not pleasant. I've all. heard it, I've heard it so many times, and every time I just I I I can't I can't believe that that people actually, you know, um think that women are using abortions as a means of birth control it's you know it's it's impossible it's impossible it's emotionally it's 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 such such a difficult procedure in so many ways emotionally physically it's just there's no way there's no way and and you know even if there is one woman on the planet who has done it who has used it as a means of birth control it shouldn't take away other women and and that's still her personal decision. You know what I mean? It's still her personal decision. Yeah. So, um, and it's just the, the danger is that we're chipping away at these laws, you know, and, and, and then you go back to like, you you know, in certain areas, it's, it's like 24 weeks, you can get an abortion before 24 weeks. And then, oh, we'll take it down to like 18 and then, you know, 12 and then like first trimester and the, the heartbeat law, which, you know, I just want to say there is no heart at six weeks. It's just, that's like, a marketing strategy from mm -hmm. from the anti-abortion um, groups. So um, so yeah. So that's I see that as 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 something um, really. This is the danger of chipping away at these laws is that eventually women lose their rights completely, yeah. and that's and that's what these groups want mm -hmm. to happen. That's what mm -hmm. they're working towards. Right. And, and so for Kay's question, so she's um, asking about the about the, the moment where she we realized that she's not six weeks pregnant, that she's actually 14 weeks. Mm -hmm. And so we, I wanted we wanted to ask you about that particular decision and about showing the kind of risk that women um, incur with um, abortions, because it's not simple. Like there's so many factors mm -hmm. like versus character. She's married and she's doing it because she's, she reveals that the, 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 the fetus um, is, is deformed and it will die the moment it's um, born and she one doesn't want to go through that emotional pain of watching mm -hmm. her of watching her child die in her arms and two her husband is does not believe in abortions her husband as a distinction was made is not pro-life he's anti-abortion there's two different things yeah. and so can you just talk about that part that aspect well you know the the, the reality is there are like a million you know million i mean there are millions and millions of, of different stories uh when it comes to women who are who get abortion so you know i i thought about doing the story of a young girl who gets raped um a woman who has a one-night stand and you know can't afford to have a child and then i was like that's i, I these stories we've kind of heard and we've 
kind of scene. And I wanted to have a different perspective on abortion rights because there are so many different, you know, situations, um, economical situations, social, you know, um, and, and the thing is, if this woman, the backstory is this woman has just found out that the, the baby has, or the fetus, I should say, um, is not going to survive. Yet society tells her, you have to carry the pregnancy. You know, you have, you have to keep, you have to, you, you know, you have to keep this, this baby, even though you are going to get attached to it. And then it is going to die in your, in your arms. And um, which, which is, which, which is a reality for many women around the world. And it's, incredibly cruel. And um, I actually, you know, I, I have a friend who went through the exact same thing, except she was able to get a proper, the proper care, and she was able to, to get the, the abortion in a safe way. So yeah, I think it's just, um, I think it's cruel how we, we, um, we treat women. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the thing with, with situations like this is, like we're talking about these anti-abortion people like you know they always say that oh we're pro-life but yeah. they don't they're not they don't offer support for women if they're if they carry the baby to term they're not going to offer financial support and they're not going to offer um, babysitting services they're not going to mm -hmm. be like oh well i'll help you carry i'll help you look after this baby while you have to go to work to earn money and then because they, they'll be like oh but then you have a baby you need to be staying home to look after this baby well who's going to help them look after the baby the yeah. father wants nothing to do with the pregnancy or it could have been a, 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 a pregnancy through rape or incest but they're not going to get the support from the person who impregnated them and the person who impregnated them is a criminal so then the, the woman shouldn't have to be around the person who forces pregnancy on her and these people are like oh you're doing this like you're 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 not you're killing a baby you're killing a fetus you're doing all of this yeah. and it's like, you people don't care about the women you don't care about the babies either it's about control and that's that i think that's what this yeah. whole is about it's about just having thinking they have the right to tell women what they can and can't do with our bodies mm -hmm. and it's like can't because and and even if you and even if you could you're not going to be there to help us at the at the interim or where we I mean mm -hmm. really yeah well the, you know the reality is if you know if you want less abortions on the planet you give proper sex education to both young girls and and young boys and you make sure that all women have access to birth control and you make sure that men are not allowed to rape women, you know, because those are the situations that, that happen the most. But criminalizing abortion does not prevent abortion. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't. That's, you know, that's not going to happen. Whether the law's there or not, it's not going to happen. It's going to make no difference. It's just going to make, it's just, it's just going to put women's lives at risk. That's what it does. Yeah, it's all about making things more difficult for women yeah. in every way possible. And um, so, like, so we're talking about about women, and they and uh, we talked earlier about a bit of the visual metaphors, like the mural and the meat. Yeah. And the I want to talk about the use of the term the water lily. So, like, that's her. That's the code they use to show that the woman is the right person to pick up. And I and I want to use that in the in because uh, I did some research. I'm like, water lilies to me didn't seem <laughs> so big. I just I was like, I know there's what you call the language of flowers, where every flower has a meaning. And the, for the water lilies, it means femininity and mm -hmm. purity and and um chastity 
and um so i wanted to ask you about use i want to like is that was that also intentional because if you're talking about you know um you're talking about women and women being forced to carry uh, pregnancies that they don't mm -hmm. want to carry but that's a lot of these we're talking about pro-life also ties into the whole idea of a lot of these same people believe that impurity you know in women yeah. um sexually pure and you know having sex only when they're married but when women become uh, pregnant out of marriage they don't condemn the men again it's the mm -hmm. women that they go after so i wanted to ask you about using that metaphor in the film as well you know it just came it just came to me because i was like it's a code name right so he says what did you have for breakfast um this morning or what did you have to eat this morning um so i was looking for something that was kind of off but not completely you know i didn't say like a hammer or <laughs> a chair or something so and, and yes definitely definitely the water lily was a metaphor for you know that purity and and religion wanting to control women and just the hypocrisy behind this this whole pro-life yeah movement or anti-abortion movement yeah i just i can't stand that expression i can't it it, it just it makes me it's such a crazy marketing strategy that that unfortunately works to um manipulate uh, public opinion mm. no it's it's true because the thing is is and you know how like we talked earlier we talked about discrimination against immigrants since then but the thing is a lot you the way how so much of this is tied into um to just conservatism um mm. religious conservative um, conservatism and then how it plays into bigotry and mm -hmm. because the same pro-life people again a lot of them are racist a lot of them are xenophobic they're of course also against um, women's rights yeah and it's just and a lot of it just boils down to as you said the word is the perfect word is hypocrisy because yeah. you're talking about pro-life but you don't really care about the people who if they don't they don't look like you they don't yeah. behave like you they don't do what you are what they want you to do right so they, they go after mm -hmm. women because women to do what women want with their own bodies they go after people of color because the people of color don't look like them mm -hmm. and they have in the, you know they have bigotry towards people of color and there's all of these things and a lot of it a lot of it will be tied under the same pro-life they'll be like oh we believe in pro-life but you don't believe in free freedom of speech for everyone you don't believe in you know in immigration policies for people to yeah. have like safe places to live and for people of color to exist without being judged and marginalized yeah yeah no i t i absolutely agree with you it, it for for me it really is it, it really is hypocrisy at its you know at, at its worst <laughs> um there's there's something you know there's something about that whole thing where you say i'm i'm pro-life but yet you're anti-social programs that you know like you're forcing women to have kids that they sometimes won't be able to take care of and the the and the other thing is that you're also telling you know, the reality is this is this affects women of color uh, more than than white women. It affects uh, women of you know who are part of lower social uh, economic classes. It does not affect rich white women. It doesn't because if you want to get an abortion, you can go you can fly out anywhere in the world and get an abortion. That's the reality. So um, so it is hypocritical because it doesn't mean that the anti-abortion people do never get abortions that's not true either so you're just taking those rights away from people who actually need it the mm -hmm. most um so yeah so it's not it's not it's not a pro-life movement you're not pro-life of women you're not actually pro-life of 
these children that are brought into the world are forced to be to, to come into the world without parents who can take care of them, without you know having food, enough food on the table, without having proper shelter and love and care. It's not, that's not being, that's not to me, that's not what being pro-life is mm -hmm. at all. Mm. And something else I want to talk about is so like there's our lead character who's the person having the abortion, mm -hmm. and then there's the woman who who I'm, I'm not sure she's a doctor or a nurse who performs the abortion so like when usually when we do talk about abortions we, we always talk about the perspective of the person getting the abortion mm -hmm. but then like i kind of this film kind of made me think about the person who has to perform the abortion like this is something especially in the situation that you place it in in Frima, where it's in a trek and she always has to be hidden she's the person like if they're caught it will be could be sent away to prison for yeah. 10 years to life, you know, still be fine. And like her life is also in danger too. And then like, there is also an emotional toll because she has to be dealing with these women and like she can't offer emotional support to them because they have a certain time limit that they have to do. And like, they have like, you know, like it's like 10 minutes, 20 minutes at the most, unless yeah. a complication happens where she has to be quick on her feet and she has to be precise and, clini and clinical. And so like she knows these women are suffering, but she's like, she can't offer any emotional support because the situation just doesn't allow for, uh, for that. So can you mm -hmm. just talk about that, um, that character and also that aspect of the, of the film as well? Well, I wanted her to be um, like a, somebody who's really like a militant when it comes mm -hmm. to, you know, abortion rights. But I also wanted her to have that background where she is really trying to help women but also putting her life at risk. And you know how you go to the doctor sometimes and you and you feel like they don't have the compassion and empathy that they should have yeah. um, for maybe different reasons. But in her case, it's really because this is like a tough life to live, mm -hmm. you know, to have to do this work. And of course, these things happen where like women lie to her about how how far, you know, how far their pregnancy is, um, how, how advanced it is. And um and she has to, she has to, she's the one who has to react to this. And she's the one who's putting her, her life in danger. So I didn't want her to be like this sweet, nice doctor. I wanted her to have an edge. I wanted her to be, you know, angry and tired and just, you know, uh, overextended. Um, so, but then again, you know, at the end, there is that moment where they, they do connect and where you can see how compassionate she is and how, you know, she is, she really is doing this because she believes it's right. Um, so yeah, it was, it was, and at first I, I, I think at first the doctor was a man. And then I decided that I wanted this to be the story of two women from really different backgrounds and, and, and different, um, even generations like coming together and, and having that tiny moment of compassion towards each other. Mm. Um, yeah, and she, you know, I think it was a really interesting character to cast as well. No, they are. I want to talk about the the two actresses um, before mm -hmm. we wrap up. But one of the things that I that I really stood out to me is when at, just when our lead character when she gets home, she goes she she runs to her husband. She, he's she, he's like, where were you? She's like, I was with my sisters because she she knows she can't see what happened. Yeah. and she's in the bathroom, and while she has to like she was given the you know the i guess you would say like the placenta and like the in and like the the what's the word i'm looking tissue i don't know my brain is blanking on that word <laughs> the tissue 
um, to dispose of. And the thing is, is that mm. she flushes it down the toilet. And my first thing is like, why didn't you bury it? <laughs> right? To me, that would have been. But you know, because you know, because I'm still thinking in like an emotional aspect. You know, like you, she could would, would bury it. You know, I kind of like you know, symbolic of like saying goodbye to this mm -hmm. um to this fetus. But then I was just thinking, Carolyn, that's also an emotional toll. That's something that would take an emotional toll on her because a funeral, whether it's a small, small one like that would still be um, something emotionally um, heavy for her to do, especially with the way the, with what the character is going through. And, to, and I'm like, again, that's something some people will look at and say that was a very, that's a very bad thing for her to have done. And like, that's something like there that women would, would have to be forced to go through and are for, again, again, we are forced to go through all around the world because again, abortions are not legal everywhere. And uh, well, and while she's sitting on the toilet, the thing that occurred to me is that she's calling for her husband and he doesn't answer. And I'm like, there's no one there to offer her any kind of support whatsoever. And that's also what happens with abortion when abortions mm -hmm. are illegal. Like these women have no emotional support system anywhere because it, people literally legally can't afford to give them any emotional support yeah. because they have to be worried about themselves. Like with, again, with the doctor and like, if you make, abortions when abortions are legal like there's nothing there for these women like these women are alone they can't tell anyone mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. they've had an abortion because that's putting that that's but the, there's the risk the person might expose them and turn yeah. them in like with texas like they want they had the whole bounty placing bounty on women's head for what was it? i think it was ten thousand dollar bounty on ben, women's head yeah. for having an abortion which is absurd and inhumane and just like cruel and like this and our characters like she's in a situation like that if she was to tell she can't tell a friend because like, she doesn't know if the friend will turn her in or she don't know if that would also put the mm -hmm. friend in a, in a at risk yeah at yeah. risk too. so i'm um, just talking about that part as well yeah i just want to say the the whole thing with the uh the placenta and her putting it in the toilet is actually um a way to um protect herself legally uh where she calls her husband to say i just miscarried you know, because because that's the reality is is if you're pregnant and in certain countries, you have to prove that you didn't get an abortion and that you that you miscarried. So how do you Ooh. prove that? The only way to prove that is is to, you know, it's 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 to show it. That's the only way you can prove it. So that's that's a way of of protecting herself. And it's extremely cruel to ask mm -hmm these women to do it and that's why she says i can't do it and the doctor says yes you can you have to but and and you're absolutely right the um the whole the whole thing with her sitting you know on her you know sitting in the bathroom and calling her husband and he and he's not responding is she's alone she's gonna have to you know keep this to herself for the rest of her life she will never be able to get closure she'll never be able to get the emotional support that she needs and this is what we're asking women to do all around the world in places where abortion is illegal so um yeah okay so i wasn't thinking of it of her doing it um to say that she had a, a, a miscarriage i i just it didn't occur to me that i, I yeah. it didn't even occur to me that the husband even knew that she had a miscarriage um, that she was pregnant sorry so like so like you're saying that it makes perfect sense now okay yeah no because <laughs> in the beginning in the beginning, she says, Are, uh, I was told you were going to be able to tell me how to uh, make it look like um, a miscarriage. And the doctor says, 
uh, we'll, I'll, I'll explain the protocol later, blah, blah, blah. And then she gives her the bag and we understand that that's, that's what it is. And yeah, the husband does know she, she he does know about the pregnancy and he, um, and he probably doesn't know that the baby, um, or the fetus has a malformation that, you know, she probably kept that to herself because she knows his position is just, he's just completely anti-abortion. So there would be no um, discussion to have. Um, so in a way she's also protecting him from having to make that decision, which is what we do as women. We try to protect the people that we love. And, and, you know, in my mind, Kara could have been like anti-abortion herself before this happened, you know, because that's the reality is when you're, when you're, when these things happen to you, sometimes your position, your position changes when it doesn't affect you. It's easy to say, well, no, women shouldn't have abortions or, you know, uh, who cares about people of color or who cares about the indigenous rights, you know, indigenous people's rights. Um, it's easy to say when you're like in a comfortable position, but when this stuff happens to you, when you have a child that, you know, got raped or is in that kind of situation, then that's like a wake up call, hopefully, or you just, yeah, your, that's your when you're living, yeah, that's when you're living in your, your bubble of privilege, like you, you never think it exactly. can happen. So therefore you're yeah. thinking you have the right to judge everyone else. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. And so can we just I mean, can we talk about the two um again the two women um so I would be I've been referring to her as the main character but you I think you just called her Kara so that was the name yeah, you gave her Yeah Kara and Dr. Hubert um oh. the second character um yeah well you know um uh, Karine Gontier Einman who plays Kara is an incredible actress um from Montreal she's she's really talented she you know, she came into the audition, she hadn't slept, she was shooting the night before, and she just blew it out of the park. She was um, amazing. And she had only done comedic work. This was like her first drama. But she just has, you know, a certain quality where you're just, she's like mesmerizing, and you just want to, you know, she's transparent, you can see her emotions really um, deeply, like you feel close to her when she's, um, and I also used lenses to, to, so we could feel really close to her and feel her her um her whole inner dilemma and just like her pain and her fear and, and and all of that she had she just had everything that i was looking for in, for the character and so she was cast first and then we did auditions for dr hubert and Karin, the actress who plays Kara, was there for i wanted to see like to test out chemistries with different actresses so um so we did auditions and uh Chantal, who plays Dr. Hubert, was just, it was just magical. The two together was just uh, incredible. No, they were great. Um, so I, I always, I think it's something that people have said before, but like comedians are so good at doing dramatic roles. It's almost because yeah. they're, they're, they're able to do like the complete opposite of what their, what their um, main skill is. And like, she does fair so well. Yeah, and she does. Um, this is like, it's a mix of fear and, and sadness, but also, um, of anxiety because there's very there's moments like in the back of the truck where the cops turn up like there is this they're trapped in this very small mm -hmm. space and like she you can just like feel the tension and the fear coming off of her mm -hmm. and it's two very different emotions there's her there's a fear and anxiety and then there's almost this um this kind of like anger mm -hmm. and frustration coming from Chantal so it's like these two completely different 
um, emotional um, moments happening at the same time in in this very small space. I could, so I, I can you just talk about that scene because I just think it's very interesting where you have two characters in the same space in the same situation and they're giving off very different energies. Well, yeah, I mean Chantal, you know, the doctor, you know, in my in my mind would have been um, used to this. Not, I, I don't think you ever get used to to that because mm -hmm. you can, you know. Um, I guess she's never got caught, but, but she could, and she knows mm -hmm. potentially that that's, that's there, but she, she's also in control and she, she knows uh, what the protocol is, what, you know, what the steps are to protect her and the patient. So, you know, I think for her, it just brings back all that rage of having to do this, you know, having no choice, but to do her job um, illegally. Right. And, and just like risking her life for, uh, for women's rights. Um, and, and for Kara, you know, she feels guilty for doing this. Obviously she is scared that her husband will find out. She's scared that she will, you know, go to jail. She's scared that she'll have to carry out the pregnancy. Like there's all these, you know, and I wanted her to be vulnerable. So I wanted to, to show like what vulnerability looks like in these, in that moment and what, um, just that you're right fear and anger and determination um and just like i'm in control mm -hmm. don't make don't, you know don't make a sound it's going to be okay just like her trying to um her trying to protect kara from herherself basically because mm -hmm. she knows that if she starts crying if she starts she is going to ruin everything mm. right um so just before we wrap up um so how has been the main reception of this film um, at festivals? Like we've talked about, you've talked a bit about women, um, the, re the reaction of women um, from watching the film, but what has been the reaction of men watch who've seen the film that you know of anyway? Mm -hmm. I think, you know, I think men, um, I think men like the film because it's, 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 um, it's, action-packed in a way like it's you know it's really stressful and um you know it's not like a soft slow drama like the one i did before marguerite um i think i think you know i think the, the reaction has been good for men but i it's probably not as emotional as with women i think for us it really hits home mm -hmm. whereas for men it's it's out there somehow you know like they're safe from it so it's not mm -hmm. as um I don't think it, it creates the same like inner turmoil for men as for women. Yeah, for women, especially for us here in North America, and especially mm -hmm. for anyone who's seen it in America and in Texas, and um, yeah. like the, the the possibility of this situation becoming um, reality is all too real and it feels almost way too imminent because yeah. it was happening in Texas in the courts and in other um, court cases because a lot of these things kind of like run concurrent to each other. But there's Texan. Um, Texas where they're they're challenging Roe v. Wade in the Supreme Court, and then there's other um, trials like what's going on with Ahmad Arbery and the case with um yeah. Calvin House, and you're seeing what is happening in these courtrooms. And then as a woman, you're thinking, how would this? How is this going to play out for for women and for abortion rights, and not only for abortion rights, for other um other situations at time? Because a lot of these th these things that we've mentioned before 
do kind of like all have like similar uh, melting points where a lot of this can come down to like one group of people trying to determine the, like the lives of everyone else yeah. and for women like watching a film like this is like this film as is very stark it's very matter of fact like there's the, the mute there's no big sweeping emotional and um, musical scores there's no soft lighting anywhere like apart from the mural it's like very yeah. dark and cold and I, I and I appreciate you do that because like, you're trying to show the core reality of the situation yeah. like this is not a sunshine and rainbow situation this is like a life and death situation in many different ways you know mm-hmm. and um I it will be difficult it was kind of difficult for me to watch because I've seen I've, I've watched it like two times um and the first time I was just like wow this is not what I was expecting at mm-hmm. all and like my friend Kate she said the same thing she was like I this is not what I was expecting and she lives in Texas which is one of the yeah. reasons I wanted her to be able to join us today and but the things is like this is a reality for many 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 women and there's some there's some situations you can't just like try to make it soft you just have to give point back because you're showing how dire the situation is yeah yeah I didn't want to sugarcoat it in any way it's just um it just it, it leaves deep scars in women taking these these rights away and and you're right if it's going before the supreme court i think it's mississippi's going in front of the supreme court december 1st to mm. try and overturn roe v wade which which is um which unfortunately you know i don't have much hope of it not happening um it's it's been in the works for a long time you know the there's there's been an agenda to overturn roe v wade for a long time mm-hmm. and i think we're just seeing you know, I think we're still going to have to keep fighting for for a, for a while, but I want people to I want people to stand up and say this is not what I want because I I you know it's not the majority of people who are anti-abortion. The majority yeah. of people are pro-abortion or you yeah. know pro-choice. Yeah, it's just the people with that are anti-abortion or anti-choice are the ones with the unfortunately seem to have the most power behind them um yeah and they they talk loud you know what i mean like they are they're really they're out there and they're you know they talk about it a lot and i think i think we're take we take these rights for granted and i think that's really the bottom line of my film that's the message i wanted to send is we should never take this for granted Mm -hmm. you know it keeps you know we keep putting it back on the table and we have to stop you know as I said, we have to stop um, questioning the legitimacy of these laws that protect women's rights. Mm-hmm. Again, um, so thank you so much, Marianne, for talking with me about your film. I think it's, um, it's uncannily and scarily timely um, mm. for, for what's going on in North America and around the world. Um, is there anything else that you would like to say about either Freema or any other films or any projects that you're working on before we wrap up? Um, well, I just, I want to say, you know, um, I was really fortunate to have uh, Uzu Aduba and Dan uh, DeNicola come on as executive producers. I want to thank them. They're amazing. They really uh, feel strongly about the message that the film um, is, is, bring, is bringing out. Um, and um, yeah, I have, I have a feature film called North of Albany that's going to come out in 2022. And a whole bunch of other projects in the works mm. so um can't wait to discuss those too and just for a minute so how yeah. did you get Uza aduba to become your executive producer well we sent her the film i already knew uzo um and you know we're in the same agency and we've we've you know 
become um, friends. And, you know, we sent her the film and she sent it to her partner, her business partner, Dan DeNicola. Um, and they were both blown away. They really wanted to support the film. So. Mm, okay, great. That's great. Because, you know, I'm a fan of Uzo. So she's incredible. I love her so much. She's incredible. Yeah, she's such a sweet, kind woman and so talented. Mm. Yeah, again, brilliant. She is again. Um, congr congratulations for the film, and I Thanks. hope you get some sex off of this because I think it's very important that more people get to see it and that we have these kind of conversations about it. Because, yeah. like, we as women, we know, but I think women should be given every opportunity to talk about these kind of situations and how they affect us. Excuse me, because, <clears throat> like. When things happen, no one can ever use the excuse like, oh, I didn't know. I didn't understand. Yeah. Be like, no, you can't because you've been yeah. told it's been explained to you multiple, multiple times and in very yeah. different ways. Yeah. Yeah. I I couldn't agree more. Mm. So I um so thank you so much for talking. Thank to you. Thank you. It was amazing. Thank you. Such a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, so I guess we'll wrap up here. And this was an amazing conversation. And I just hope that. Like when I like when I watched the film, I as I said, when I first because I watched it twice, and the first time I was just like I was uneasy, but then the second time I was just like, you know what, I appreciate this. I always appreciate films, but like I appreciate these kind of stories because like these are things that like I just feel very deeply about, and it's something that I talk about often. And like because of my own personal health issues and stuff, it's just like yeah, like when this happened, it was just like <laughs> happened at the at the right time. But again, thank you so much for me. Um, so we wrap up here, and that is it. <laughs> so everyone, that was another um, episode of Carolyn Talks, where and in this episode, I spoke to filmmaker, actress, and producer Marianne Farley about her new short film, Freema. Um, this film is it's intense. It's a lot of, some people might find uncomfortable to watch, but I think it's very important, and um, it's a on scarily timely. Um, it's a scarily timely film, um, but it has a very deep and I think important uh, message. And um, for anyone who is new to listening to the podcast, thank you for thank you for finding me. However, you found me, thank you for and for those who've been listening, who's a, who are regular listeners, thank you so much for listening to my podcast and supporting me. Um, you can find more episodes of Caroline Talks on butwhythepodcast.com as well as on other streaming platforms on this. So here's what happened um, podcast. You can find um, more of my written interviews on the Caroline Talks as well on butwhythepodcast.com as well as on my R3 page. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram using the um, hashtags dramas with Carrie, the hashtag where I live tweet um, Asian dramas, weeklies at 8 p.m. Eastern, hashtag Saturday Night Cypher where I and my co-host, we host a, a weekly live tweet of sci-fi genre shows or films every Saturday night at 10 p.m. Eastern. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at CarrieCNH12, that's C-A-R-R-I-E-C-N-H12. You find links to my YouTube channel um, for the video uh, format of Carolyn Talks, as well as other interviews that I do with the Africa, with Africa, the African American Film Critics Association, where we do virtual roundtables with um, Black creatives in the film and television industry, as well as Beyond the Romance, my drama podcast slash YouTube channel. I just like saying that, so it's going to let me become my tagline um where i talk about my favorite asian dramas i've started talking about asian films i did an episode with my friend daisy where we spoke about the whaling again that is awesome but why the podcast.com and other streaming platforms and if you would like to follow me follow me on twitter i'm always on twitter talking about politics films um 
funny stuff, random stuff, um, music. I do, um, I, my friend Joseph, he hosts, he, he started something called um, K-pop Top 10, where every month we give our top 10 list of K-pop songs. And that's fun too. And and um, I've been doing Twitter spaces using OSTs with Carrie. That's where I play OS, my favorite OSTs from K-dramas. And I do, yeah, I do a lot of stuff on social media. <laughs> but again, everyone, until the next episode of Caroline Talks, stay safe. <laughs> Thank you.